Hello and welcome to This Is How We Roll, a D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. The episode you're about to hear sets the scene for our adventure and you'll get to meet the amazing characters and players who feature in our tale. Please rate and subscribe and check the show notes to find out how to find us on Twitter and other social media platforms so that you can follow along and participate in our ever-growing community. Welcome to the adventure. A wooden cart clatters along a wooded cobblestone road. A man and his daughter are making their way from Waterdeep to Daggersford. The girl walks beside their old workhorse and leads him by the reins while her father sits in the cart. They round a bend, and their cart passes into the shadow of the Mount of Spirits. The birds have stopped chirping, and the man notices many of the plants in the woods are turning gray and brown. He leans down and calls to his daughter, suddenly feeling an uneasy chill run down his spine. He helps her onto the cart and whips the reins and urges his workhorse on, reaching a gallop as they hurry down the road to put that part of the woods behind them. As days turn into weeks, death and decay seem to emanate from the Mount of Spirits, spreading further, reaching more territories on the continent of Finradel. In a lush and silent forest clearing, a tall elven woman stands at the top of a hill, looking out at the horizon to the west. The full moon is just cresting over the top of the forest. She turns and walks across the glen to a pool in the woods. Kneeling next to the water, she scoops some into her hand and drinks deeply. She freezes, kneeling over the pool. Minutes turn into an hour or more and the moon climbs higher in the sky. Finally, she rises and opens her eyes, seemingly staring a long way off. An old man sitting silently in the shadows near the pool turns to her. High Priestess Lanira, what's wrong? It's happening again, Nim. It's been over 500 years, and I'm not sure how he's done it, but Biriel has returned. The Pool of Knowledge has shown me many things, some terrible, but also a glimmer of hope. We must fetch our scouts. I saw something that could lead to Biriel's undoing. There are adventurers who are in immediate danger and need to be guided to us. We'll send Malsi right away before it's too late. The old man whispers to a small chickadee sitting on his shoulder and it quickly flies off as Nim and Lanira make their way across a field to a great hall atop a stony hilltop. In the moonlight they can see the small form of a halfling climbing the path to the top of the hill. Malsi the Grey. I have asked you here and must ask you to put yourself in danger if you are willing. A great evil has been reborn as we feared. I have just seen that Biriel the Immortal has been resurrected on the Mount of Spirits, but he was prevented from regaining his full power. His black magic was interrupted by several brave but outmatched adventurers. They boldly strode into greater danger than they understood and risked all to save an innocent man from Biriel's grasp. I fear that these adventurers are still in great danger. They are now lost, and I need you to find them and bring them here safely. Malsi, you travel forward toward great danger. Go swiftly and go unseen. Without hesitation, Malsi transforms into a falcon and shoots into the night sky, staying high above the trees. Her powerful wings carry her to the south, to the Mount of Spirits. 
Back in the forest clearing the next morning, Lanira stands on a terrace atop the rocky hill in the center of the grove, scanning the clouds. Suddenly she sees what she is looking for, and a look of relief seems to briefly cross her face. She turns and enters the great hall as natural wooden doors open without a push to grant her entrance. A few minutes later, several large eagles alight next to the door of the great hall, and several smaller figures dismount. An elven fighter, a dragonborn ranger, a dwarven rogue, a human wizard, and a halfling cleric. They enter the great hall as the eagles transform into elven figures and follow behind them. Inside the great hall, Lanira greets the heroes and thanks them for intervening in Biriel's black magic. She explains that their danger was graver than they could have known, and that it was not chance that brought them to this place in this time. The heroes are resolute and ready to heed the call to action. Philosiel, the elven fighter, ready to take on all opponents to fight for the living. Macecor, the dragonborn ranger, thoughtful and skilled, prepared to track his enemies to the ends of the earth. Flint, the dwarven rogue, unaffected by the danger and ready for an adventure. Genril, the halfling cleric, striving to serve her god and smite down evil wherever she finds it. Jandar, the jaded wizard seeking to leave his legacy of peace on the world. The party follows Lunira from the Great Hall some time later, and they cross the silent grove toward the deep, clear pool where Nim still waits under the tree. So these are the ones the pool spoke of. Lanira responds, I believe that they are, yes. She then leans in and whispers to Nim, adding, My heart warns me that their path is like the edge of a knife. If they stray but a little, their path to victory shall be lost. She then bids the heroes to drink from the pool, as she had some hours prior. Upon drinking from the pool, the adventurers are visited with visions and images that show ancient battles and Biriel's rise to power. They see his downfall, some 500 years ago, and the warriors who fought him in the great battles of the past. The pool shows them a group of ancient weapons, deadly, powerful, the last hope of Finradel against the rising tide of evil. The first is a great war hammer that lies in the north. They must find it and bring it to Greenhall, or hope will be lost. We hope that you enjoyed this narrative intro to the story that you're going to be hearing on This Is How We Roll. What we wanted to do now is briefly introduce each of the characters who you'll be hearing on a regular basis throughout the story. There will be some weeks where not every character is played. One of the characters is actually played by me as well, and so that'll only be in one-shots or special episodes where someone else is uh, the DM. But uh, we're going to still introduce you to all of these characters. This will give you some context. We're going to give you a little bit of a background on each one and uh, just tell you a little bit about who they are. Uh, and that way, whenever you're listening, you'll have some idea in your head of who this person is and what motivates them and what they look like. Um, and if you have more questions about our characters, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to give you more information. So I will briefly introduce each person as they introduce their character. First up is going to be Keegan introducing her elven fighter character named Felosial Fleetfoot. Felosial Fleetfoot is a female elf. She has copper skin, long brown hair, and hazel eyes. She is 193 years old, which is pretty young for an elf, so she's probably about 30 in human years, 
She's an average height for an elf at 5'5 and weighs 133 pounds, but she carries herself in a way that makes her seem like she's the largest person in the group. As a fighter, she usually has her hair tied or braided back out of her face. She wears fighting leathers with some kind of throwing weapon on her hips and a long sword that runs down her spine. She is often impulsive, but will stop to think before acting every once in a while. As a druid in training, she's really trying to work on not being as impulsive and thinking through some of her actions a little more. She wants to help people, usually by doing something for them or giving them something. It's usually not helpful or wanted, but she's oblivious to their reactions. When Felosia was very young, her father left with other elves from their village who were going off to fight in a battle. She didn't really understand where or why her father was going. All she remembers is crying as he left, and then she remembers watching her mother crumple to the ground as an elven warrior returned from that battle and said her father did not make it back. Years later, Felosia wondered why they never recovered her father's body, but he never came back, so it must be true that he's dead. After that, Felosia isolated herself from her society and most days was alone in the woods with a weapon in hand as she trained until she couldn't lift her arms. One day, her mother came sprinting through the woods, yelling at her to climb a tree. Quickly, Felosia climbed a tree as she saw a large badger barreling after her mother. She was not quick enough and Felosio threw the axe she was training with at the badger's head, killing it on impact, but she was too late. Her mother's lifeless eyes were staring up at her. The dead badger's jaws clamped around her mother's neck. Later that day, she had a small leather bag on her back and she walked away into the woods, leaving only ghosts behind her. For the next 60 years, she wandered from town to town, selling pelts of animals she'd killed, doing small tasks when people would hire her, and spending most of her time alone, walking the woods. With no one depending on her, she felt like she had no direction. She was in a town she visited often, Daggersford, and sold some pelts to the tanner. She then quickly went to the Ale and Chamber Pot Tavern to drink away at least half of the silver pieces she had just gotten. While sitting at the bar, she saw an old friend, Mace Horse, sitting at a booth in the corner. She went over and joined him, and they started talking. They were both then present when the Duke of Daggersford got kidnapped at the town meeting, and they set off after him, which led them to the Mount of Spirits. Here's Anthony introducing his dwarven rogue character, Flint Fireforge. Flint is a quiet guy. He is a leader and loner at heart, but has no issue going with the flow of the team. He tends to read the room and assess the situation before reacting. He loves to throw in a good joke and otherwise uncomfortable situation. He is four foot nine and a dense 165 pounds, but don't let his stout body fool you. Flint is quite nimble. He has long braided silver hair that blends nicely into his long braided beard. His leathery silver skin is coated with scars and tattoos built up over the past 150 years. 
His insecurities about his height, strength, and intelligence usually get him in trouble. He's never one to turn down a stiff drink, or any drink for that matter. Flint is slow to trust, but loyal as can be, and will never back down from a fight. Flint Fireforge grew up in a middle-class family in the mountains of Drekkel Waters. He was cared for by his father Fink and mother Fernster. They lived a simple life, that is until Flint turned 15. This is when things took a turn for the worse. During Drekkelwater's annual goat roasting, Flint was in charge of lighting the flame. The flame lighting is one of Drekkelwater's most valuable and honorable tasks in a week-long celebration. In doing so, Flint accidentally lit the church on fire as well as several accompanying homes. He was later disowned by his family and forgotten by everyone. The world turned its back on Flint. Alone and without a home, Flint transformed to survive. He wandered from village to village stealing valuable artifacts. Flint was not recognized. No one knew his true face or name. But throughout the land, rumors spread of a shadow, a shadow that came to towns of plenty and disappeared, leaving only his betrayal and despair in his wake. Flint grew obsessed with his riches and shut out all else. No one was worth his time or trust. That is, until he went to Daggersford. Here is Hillsburg introducing his Dragonborn Ranger character, Macecore Isirian. Macecore is a Dragonborn, as you can assume. He has a smooth silver skin and a slender dragon-like head. His head has traditional dragon spikes and piercing gray eyes. Some say you can see your pain by looking into his eyes. See, that's why he's so, he's so good. His tongue looks serpent-like, but with an orange hue. He has a slim build and is extremely dexterous. He can come sneak in back of you without even hearing a twig snap. He's that good. While not overly talkative, he can hold his own conversation and often get straight to the point. He often overhears gossip at taverns, but prefers to keep to himself. He has a straight gash on both his left and right arms following the length of his arms until the black bands cover his wrists. His feet are average three-pronged toes, as usual, but black claws are trimmed and sharpened for quick jumps. Finally, he has two average-sized wings on the back, folded together under his armor, so you couldn't even notice. Upon further inspection, these wings are unusable, having multiple holes thanks to orcs. Macecore Iceron Born to parents in Dragonhold, Macecore lived a calm childhood and wanted to serve his village in the Dragonhold Council. One day, while studying at the age of 15, orcs led a surprise attack against his village, equipped with massive obelisks and fire-presenting, preventing, I'm sorry, orc mystics. Orcs massacred the village, but Macecore made it out alive. He knew these attacks needed to be stopped and for the people to be protected, so he fled to the forest and hid amongst the trees. An old elf elder named Yonda cousin to Yoda, took him in and taught him the ways of the forest, utilizing nature as a force for good and connecting him with the animals that served no harm. He befriended and tamed many animals and learned to be as stealthy as a ninja in the forests, jumping from tree limb to limb and without even a sound, not a sound. He learned to track animals with precision, using his eagle eye and dexterity to find packs. He heard a big job from Felosio, an old acquaintance from training, 
a job that could turn the tide of battles against the orcs and finally bring peace back to a war-torn land. A job that could avenge his parents and the villagers of Dragonhold. And he went to the town cautiously to assess the details. Here's Josh introducing his human wizard character, Jandar Umokina. Hello, my name is Jandar. I am a human mage. This is my story. I had an ordinary life, like any human mage. Both my parents were mages, and they were the greatest parents ever. They helped train me until I was a small child. It was then that I went to evocation school. I loved school. I wanted to be a teacher. It was here at evocation school that I met my wife, Katerina Thornhart. We fell in love, got married, and had a child, Osrin. I decided it was my turn to give back to the world. I created a school for human wizards and mages. It was an evocation school. I loved teaching and I loved my students. One day, a young orc arrived at my doorstep. His name was Horkneth. He wished to learn magic. I turned him away. I said, no orc can learn magic. I was wrong. Horkneth did learn magic. How, I cannot say. I do not know. He learned a dark and evil magic. A magic that he used to take the life of my parents. The orc Horknoth killed my parents. I was full of rage and shame. At not taking him into my school, I felt a sense of responsibility. I sent my family away, knowing they would be safe. A place that only I could get to, and a place I dare not reveal. I had a new mission now, to live a life on the road, to rid the world of orcs and Horkneth. Having lost my parents and sent my child and wife away, it has shaped my view of the world. It has jaded me, left me with little patience or pity. On my road to finding Horkneth, I met a group of people, Flint, Macecor, and Flosiel. They were all right. It was better than being alone. I decided to join them. I would join them in my campaign, but I would not forget my own. I would seek revenge on Horkneth if it's the last thing I did. Here's Sean introducing her halfling cleric character, Genril Greenbottle. Genril is, as Shakespeare says, little but fierce. She is about three and a half feet tall, slight, and extremely quick. She has bright green eyes, and her short red hair is shot through with silver. She is a talented healer and has learned to keep much of her magical powers under wraps until they are absolutely necessary. She carries few weapons, but prizes her beautiful crystal shield given to her by the god Talos. Genril Greenbottle. Genril is a halfling cleric from the land of Amn, along the coast of the Sea of the Fallen Stars. She is but 45 years old, which is quite young for a halfling. She originally hails from a wealthy, illustrious family of healers and mystics. She started her studies and devotion to the god Talos at a very young age, following in the footsteps of her beloved father, Gerald Greenbottle. This magical life continued until Genril was a young woman in her early 20s. One day, while Genril was peacefully practicing a trance meditation in a secret room of books far below the palace floor, an unseen monster attacked the Greenbottle compound. Unaware of the horror above, Genril's spirit wandered to lands far and wide. 
It wasn't until an unearthly melody breached her concentration that she realized something was wrong. Tearing up the stairs, she found her the entire family, and indeed, the clan and compound in ruins. The only clue was a spectral melody that still rang about the hall. The last thing she clearly remembers is finding her father's bloody body among the rubble. In the blackness of her mind, her magnificent deity Talos appeared in a vision. He commanded her to find the evil force that had done this to her family and destroy them. She has been searching the land for clues these past 20-odd years. She has been using her skills as a healer and a visionary to make money to fund her search. She has seen in a vision that she will find what she seeks within a band of misfits and criminals. And here I am, Jordan, your DM, introducing my character, Morthos Music, a tiefling bard. Morthos Music is a tiefling man, roughly on the younger side of middle age. He is a bard and a good one at that. He plays mostly string instruments, but can play one or two songs on most of the instruments in Finradel. He was born in a coastal city where he played his songs on the docks to earn some coins to bring home to his family. His mother, who is a human woman, was nurturing and caring. He, was, uh, he had a humble but happy childhood until a dark incident set him on a path of adventure. On the first day of summer when he was 14 years old, Morthos, a young tiefling teen, was headed back to his home with a nice haul from the day's work in the fish market. The fishermen were busy at this time of year and most had a good profit that they were willing to share with a humble performer like him. He rounded the corner onto Herringbone Alley where his mother's house was and suddenly found himself surrounded by a gang of young men armed with clubs and various homemade weapons. They didn't even offer to take his money, but instead set to beating him and breaking his small mandolin that was such a source of joy and income for him. Following the incident, he became reclusive in the town and continued to practice his musical skills in private. He started to venture out at night, and over the course of the next two years, his assailants started to turn up drowned on the beach near the town. The townsfolk got suspicious, as Morthos was the only tiefling in town and faced quite a racial backlash every time something was amiss. He could not stand the stress and danger his mother faced with him at home, so he set out one morning and left. He journeyed far and wide, acquiring enough gold to purchase a steel guitar and eventually owning an instrument shop in a northern town called Brownstone. His path crosses with the adventurers in your story when he arrives to play music for a party in Termic. Morthos is a highly charismatic guy and loves to use his music and charm to persuade and deceive the people around him. He's about 6'1 and has short brown hair, he keeps his horns sanded down to give himself a more normal human appearance, and likes to dress stylishly. He isn't one for following the rules, but is well liked by those who get to know him, and he's a fan of the drink, and he doesn't like to put himself in harm's way if he doesn't have to. He is a lover, not a fighter, but if you cross him, you'll spend the rest of your shortened lifespan looking over your shoulder with fear. We hope that you enjoyed this introductory episode and that you will join us now for this adventure. The first few episodes of the show were shot uh, when we really were just starting out with podcasting for the first time. Some of the sound quality is a little off, but we've got a bunch of episodes out now. We really hope that you'll join us for the whole journey and enjoy along the way. You can always interact with us on our Twitter and via email. You can find all of that information in the show notes. And welcome to This Is How We Roll and our story. The Fate of Finrodel.